very special. It's a very special night. I have um, my friends, Ryan and Aubrey Curry, here with us. Um, Ryan and I have been friends since we were in seminary in New Orleans, Baptist Theological Seminary, um, over a decade ago, and he and his wife are serving in Mozambique. They'll tell you a little bit more about their story. That's part of the reason that they're here, but um, just, a, just a short while ago, I found out that they were, um, I found out that they were here on furlough and that they were uh, going to be in the States for a period of time, and we haven't seen each other in a few years, and I thought, what can we do to get together? And so we were trying to set up, uh, we were trying to set up a time for us to spend some time together to catch up, um, and we were sort of stuck because I was... Um, I wasn't exactly sure where I was going to be. I told them that there was a church that I knew about that was kind of interested in me, and I was kind of interested in them, um, and that if it worked out uh, that I would be in Kentucky, and if I was, I would ask someone if, uh, if they could come and, and speak, if that could give us a reason to have them in town. And I would have probably had them in town anyway, but this is even better that I get to introduce them to y'all. So when, when it turned out that, that you, got, you guys liked me enough to keep me around, I asked uh, some of the staff if it would be possible for, for me to have a missionary come in and give a testimony, to which they all said the same thing. You're the pastor. <laughs> you, you get to make those decisions. And I was like, that's incredible news. We're going to have Ryan and Aubrey Curry come to speak. And so they, the staff reached out to Ryan and Aubrey to find out when they were available. And it turned out tonight was the only night that they had available. And it was, um, and it was a very good night for us to have this particular um, opening. And so it was just, again, another part of the story here at Lone Oak and with my life of how God is just opening doors. Um, and so Ryan and Aubrey have been in Mozambique for, uh, Ryan's been there for five years. Uh, just a short while after he was um, mobilized to Mozambique, he and Aubrey got married and then he brought her with him, which was a fantastic idea um, to get married and then to take her with him. Um, but Ryan, Ryan has been a dear, dear friend of mine in seminary. Um, this is a guy that God equipped. He equipped him in every way to be in the rugged areas of the mission field. Um, and I, I don't want to in all make light of how gifted and called this man is, but just seeing the way that God prepared him over the years through his unique interest and gifting has been just, it's just been a... Um, it's been an amazing sight to see. Um, I saw this young man. Um, he's, I say young man. He's the same age as I am. Um, I saw him. Uh, I saw him in an effort to just to just to push the limits to ride his bike from New Orleans, Louisiana, back to Ashland, Kentucky. Um, a, when I say bike, I'm talking about a bicycle, uh, like with the ones that you pedal. I'm not sure the exact purpose, but I'm, I'm almost positive that he did it just to save gas money. Um, so he spent two weeks of his life riding a bike to save $45 in fuel, um, which is great. Uh, and, and Ryan was, uh, he was a frugal guy, and, and I think that that frugality, it really contributed to his being able to be mobilized um, and to go to the far away places like Mozambique, and to do so without any, 
any strings holding him back. And so it's been amazing to see Ryan be used of God. Um, and I'm again, I am so thankful that you guys would give me the opportunity to invite him and his wife here. The first time he spoke for me was at Eastside Baptist Church in Pearl, Mississippi. Um, and he drove up from New Orleans where I was doing a part-time youth ministry, and he preached to my 30 students, I think it was, on a Wednesday night. Um, and it is, it's just such a privilege that from that point to this point, I can introduce my friend and his wife, Ryan and Aubrey Curry. Would you welcome my friends as they bring their testimony? Well, good evening, church. It's a privilege to be here. Um, as Scott said, I'm Ryan Curry. This is my wife, Aubrey. And I can say that we are your IMB missionaries. Now, I've never been here before, uh, haven't met pretty much everybody in this room, but through the ministries of our convention, cooperative program, Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, we are your IMB missionaries because every week when you put money in the offering plate, a percentage of that goes to the cooperative program and keeps us on the field. And I can say now, after living several years as a missionary, that's a huge blessing because for many of the people that we meet that are missionaries overseas, their body is over in Africa, but their mind is in the States because they're thinking, how am I going to get my support? And when they come in on furlough, they're scrambling to try to get that support so that they can go back and do ministry again. And we as Southern Baptist missionaries, we don't have that worry in our lives. Um, as Scott said, I met him back in 2011 or 2012, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And, you know, at the time I was a single guy and had many a dinner with Scott. We studied Hebrew. Carly probably thought it was too many dinners, um, but got... A lot of good memories there at New Orleans, and then, as he said, God prepared me for the mission field. Now, I went to Mozambique in 2017. At the time, I was single, um, and I'd really wanted to, to go married, but, you know, it was hard in eastern Kentucky, where I was from, uh, in the hills, to find a girl that wanted to go to Africa, and eventually, uh, I gave up, and I said, well, Lord, if this is something that you want, um, I'm just going to go, and you'll have to provide her. And so that's exactly what he did. At the end of my training in Richmond, Virginia, where the IMB headquarters are, the last week of training, they take you on a tour of the office building of the IMB, where Aubrey worked. And so as I was going on the tour that day, I saw her, and fortunately she had a name tag on, and I wrote her name down. Well, immediately when I did that, I thought, this is really dumb. I'm getting ready to move overseas. Why am I doing this? Uh, but through a mutual missionary friend, I found out that she herself was in the process to go serve in Africa and just began to see how the Lord was working. I went ahead and, and I went, but we dated long distance and we decided that we wanted to get married. And the mission board said, you know, Ryan, you're already there. Aubrey, you're on your way. It just makes sense for Ryan to come back. You guys get married and then you can go back together. And so we've been able to serve on the mission field as a couple now for almost four years. Um, if you go to the next slide, we wanted to tell you about a few different aspects of our ministry. One of the first is we are there in Mozambique to try to reach an unreached people group called the Manika people. Um, before we moved to Mozambique, they were considered an unengaged unreached people group, but now that we're there and working among them, uh, they are engaged. The Manika people group, and uh, this is hard to believe, but 
you go out in the places where this tribe lives and you won't find any type of evangelical church. I'm not just talking about Baptist churches, but there's no Methodists, no Presbyterians. There's hundreds of thousands of people in this tribe and they're less than 1% Christian. And so one of the first things that we did as we went to the mission field is we wanted to do survey work to try to find uh, other churches. And about two years ago, I convinced we had our association of, of churches that, that met together. And one of the pastors in the association, a, a 70-year-old guy, he spoke the tribal dialect of this people. And so I convinced him to get on the back of my 100cc Honda dirt bike with me. And we went out and we did survey work. At the time, we took that motorcycle because we weren't quite sure that we could get out to where they were. And so during that day, seven or eight hours, he was on the back of the motorcycle with me going, my back, my back. But, you know, God gave him the courage to, to serve and to help me that day because without him, there's no way that I could have taken that survey trip. We went out and along the side of the road at one point said, hey, let's stop here. I see this hut. And so we went over and there at that hut, we found a lady by the name of Flora. We sat down, we began to share the gospel with this lady, Flora, and after we shared the gospel, she said, you know, everything that you guys have shared with me today, I believe, um, and I trust that it's true, but I can't accept it right now because my husband isn't home, and that's a very cultural thing in the part of Africa where we serve. And so we pleaded with her, you know, we said, listen, this decision is between you and God. It's not between you and your husband. One day when you, when you die and you stand before God, He's not going to ask what your husband thinks. He's going to ask, what do you think about my son? But it didn't matter what we said. There was just no way that she was going to accept Christ that day. And so we had to leave, and I got back home, and I said, Aubrey, we've got to find a way to get you and that pastor's wife back out there. We had to wait five months for the rains to stop and the road to improve in order to get a truck out to where that lady lived. And so we went out, and praise the Lord, that day as she heard the gospel from the mouths of women, it was a completely different situation, and she decided to give her life to the Lord. Um, a lot of times when we go out to these villages, uh, we sort of cause a scene because we look a little bit different than most of the people out there, and that day was no exception. You know, all of her neighbors began to funnel in, and they too wanted to hear that message, and so there was a group of two or three other neighbors that decided to make a decision for the Lord that day. One of them was a man, and he looked at us at the end of the message, and he said, missionaries, I can promise you something. If you will commit to come back here and share the word of God, we will have people eager to hear it and we'll have a place organized for you to meet. And so what you see in this picture here is the result of that. We began to go back month by month and story through the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament, and share just the major stories of scripture. And so many people began to come and hear the word of the Lord and I'll say this, as you look at that picture, we have yet to identify somebody who's called to be a pastor or leader of this group. That's one of our greatest prayer requests right now, that the Lord would raise up somebody that could lead and teach what's hopefully going to become a new church someday. Because while it's great for us to be able to go out there, it takes you know hours for us to get there, and we can only go out once or twice a month. Imagine if there was somebody from this tribe that could be doing that preaching and teaching. And so that is our prayer request. As we speak right now, um, this past Saturday, we had um, pastors from our Baptist Association. They've been going out twice a month in our absence to continue those Bible stories. Uh, but they don't have an IMB pickup truck. 
they're on the backs of motorcycle taxis, sometimes going five, six hours on horrible roads to get out there and continue the work while we're here in the United States. So also, please pray for them. I mean, we're worried to death about their safety and the, the ways that they're having to travel to get out there. Um, but that's a big part of our ministry is reaching this unreached people group called the Manika People Group. On the next slide, Aubrey's going to tell you about another facet of our ministry. So in Scripture, we always see Jesus um, making the priority, teaching and, and proclaiming God and his salvation um, and the spiritual health of people being what's most important. But in addition to that, we always see him caring for the human needs as well, our, our physical, um, our emotional uh, our hunger. And so we like to have opportunities to also show the love of Christ through human needs projects. And so I want you to imagine with me if you were in a situation where because of an incredibly high unemployment rate where your family had to grow and or raise pretty much everything you eat um, because of just lack of income coming into your home. And then what it would be like if flooding <laughs> came through and took away all of that, um, that you were planning on feeding your family until the next harvest came. And so that was the reality for a group of people about 13 hours north of where we live in Mozambique. So this year, Cyclone Freddy um, broke many records. One of the records it broke was it lasted longer than a month. Um, it started over by Australia and traveled all the way to Madagascar, hit Madagascar, then came to Mozambique, hit Mozambique where, um, close to where we live, and then it actually went back out to sea and gained force and came back and hit the same area. So there were hundreds of thousands of people that ended up being affected by this. And where we live, um, many houses in Mozambique are made out of mud brick and have straw roofs. And so you can imagine what heavy winds and what flooding would do. Um, for many of them, that meant their houses were washed away. For some of them, it meant they lost their roofs. For some of them, the walls caved in on um, family members, and they were harmed as a result of that. But also because of the flooding, they lost all of their crop that they were planning to harvest just in about a month's time. And so... Many people were concerned about hunger and starvation. And so we um, got together with some pastors in that area who are, um, have been trained over the years by one of our mentors, who's now actually, he's in Kenya, working in Kenya. But he was there um, with his wife ministering for over 20 years. And so we were able to work with these pastors that they poured into year after year after year. And um, it was just a joy to be able to come along in partnership um, to see how he had equipped them uh, to to minister and love on people in the name of Jesus Christ in these types of situations. So we relied heavily on them since they lived there and they could help assess the needs. We as members of the IMB, the IMB isn't big enough <laughs> to help feed hundreds of thousands of people. Um, so we had to rely on them to help us find the areas of greatest need and to determine the way that we could best help. And we partnered with Sin Relief, which is a sister organization. It used to be called BGR, Baptist Global Relief, but we partnered with them to be able to bring um, 20,000 kilograms of corn seed and this corn seed was a seed that could grow in about 90 days' time, and then they could use seed from that to replant for the next year. And so we were really grateful to have many opportunities to have different seed distributions. We ended up dis 
distributing seed to about 10,000 families. And at each occasion, we were able to share the gospel um, of Jesus Christ and the love that he has for them, and also introduce them to the pastor, um, the Baptist pastor of the church that was closest to them so that they could connect with them as a follow-up. So as you've heard, you know, part of our ministry is doing zero to one ministry among that people group, the Manika people group. We have social needs ministry. Um, on the next slide, you'll see another aspect that we have in our ministry is trying to do theological education for pastors and churches that live in remote places. Um, here in the state of Kentucky, there's various Baptist Bible colleges. Where I'm from in Ashland, there's a place called Tri-State Bible College. There's also Clear Creek Baptist Bible College here in the state. Um, if you go to Louisville, you have the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I can say it like that because I went there for a little bit. Um, we have various options uh, here in the United States for people that want to learn about the Bible. But for many of the people in the places where we serve, to go learn about the Bible at a school, they would have to get on motorcycle taxis and microbuses, and it might be 10, 15 hours um, on awful roads for them to get to that city. But then you have the problem of most of these guys are farmers. So they can't just go away to school for years because their families are dependent upon them and what they're doing in the fields. So a lot of what we do is we go out and we give trainings where they live or close to where they live. And in this picture, I, it's a big reminder of, <laughs> for me that day. I, I got to this place and I didn't have an easel. So the first thing was, they're like, oh, it's no problem, missionary, we'll make it easel. In like 30 seconds, the guys had pulled some sticks and vines together, and they made me an easel. So began to teach them uh, some Baptist doctrine, and was there on Friday and Saturday. Uh, they had me stay Sunday and preach at a small church plant, and then like good Baptists, what did we do after church? We had food, and then we were just sitting around after the meal and talking, and it was at that moment that I realized I don't have my wallet. And for us, that's really important. I carry my passport everywhere I go in Mozambique. At any moment, an immigration official might ask to see my visa. And so I thought, oh, no, you know. And we were supposed to renew our visas in two days, and I was going to need that passport to renew our residency. And, you know, beyond that, my bank cards, my driver's license, everything was in that wallet. And so I start looking in the truck, in the tent where I was sleeping, and I can't find it. And so eventually I just have to say to the pastors, listen, this has happened. I've lost my wallet. And they said, oh, brother, you know, we're here. This is a small church plant with a few people. Everybody here is, is lost. So if you've dropped this somewhere, more than likely somebody has stolen it. And so that was discouraging. So I start doing, you know, what we all do, thinking back, where was the last place that I remember having it? And I remembered that I'd walked to the latrine at one point, so you know, we went back over there, and I thought, well, maybe it fell out on the ground around here, and I didn't see it. But, you know, at the latrine, there's that little tiny hole in the ground, I thought, well, what are the chances? <laughs> so we go back, we get this big lantern, and so I'm looking down in there, and sure enough, there it is in the bottom. But, you know, it's sort of fallen like this. So not It's not that one. <laughs> um... So nothing inside of it was dirty yet. And I thought, how in the world are we going to get this out? And, you know, it's just the servant's heart of one of the pastors there. He gets a big piece of bamboo, breaks it in half, makes these giant tongs. And I'm like, please don't drop it again. <laughs> he gets it out, you know, and of course it's got stuff all over it. 
get it back to camp, and praise the Lord, we're able to get the passport and everything out of it. Nothing was messed up. And so over in the corner, there's another pastor. He looks at me, and he says, well, Ryan, uh, you know the Lord allowed that to happen to your passport or to your wallet. And I thought, well, why would you say a thing like that? That's an awful thing to say. And he said, the Lord allowed that to happen to you as a reminder because the people out where we are, they're just like your wallet. They're in a dark, deep place. They're living in the dirtiness of sin and they're waiting for somebody to bring the light to them. And that really touched me. And it also reminded me of scripture. It's a verse that comes from the book of Colossians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so that's the message that we preach and teach uh, to the brothers and to the churches over there. And of course, our hope as missionaries is that after we train Baptist leaders and members over there, that they will take that same message out on their own one day and share that to a lost and dying world. Um, On the next slide, we shared with you a little bit about the ministry that we do, but we are here as missionaries with the IMB, so we thought we'd go a little bit larger with you and and share a little bit about the people that we work with and the other missionaries that we are our colleagues. Um, So we are considered part of the Sub-Saharan African um, peoples, and so... We wanted to share a little bit about them and Sub-Saharan Africa as a whole. And so almost 50,000 people are born daily. 17 of the top 20 countries with the highest birth rates in the world are in Sub-Saharan Africa. The population is growing almost three times faster than the world's population. So what does that, what does that mean? What does that mean for us as we cast vision to to those that we work with. Well, that means that one day, Africa, we see by at the very last, by 2050, more than one in 10 people in the world will live in sub-Saharan Africa. So not only are these next generations growing up to be leaders of the countries in sub-Saharan Africa, but are likely going to be leaving and going to other parts of the world and studying in other parts of the world and can be leaders in other parts of the world who are taking their faith to areas where maybe Americans can't. goals are in vision, if you will, um, as the sub-Saharan African affinity is to see African churches sending African missionaries to the nations. And so where we're at in Mozambique, one of our greatest joys is when we get to see our brothers and sisters in Christ taking what we're teaching them and then being faithful disciples to make disciples as well. And so not only do we want to plant healthy churches, but we want to plant healthy reproducing churches um, that not only reproduce in Mozambique, that will one day go and send out missionaries to the ends of the earth. And so that is um, our desire where we live in Mozambique, but also our envision as the sub-Saharan Africa affinity as a whole. Um, A couple other statistics up there is that over 75% of all new IDPs in the world are here. So IDP, if you don't know, is an internally displaced person. So Africa, as a lot of you might know, has a lot of um, different wars and different government struggles going on in many different countries. And so because of that, many people 
end up fleeing to different parts of the country. When it says internally displaced, it means they're staying within their country, but having to flee the area that they're in to, to escape whatever violence might be there. Um, so the next thing is the median age as a result of a lot of those um, different violences going on is only 17 and a half years old. So we know here that in America, um, the next generation, we always need to be ministering and reaching out to them. But that's a huge um, part of what we try to do as well is making sure that we're investing in the next generation. That's one of the um, trainings that we had. We encouraged not only our pastors to come to this training that Ryan and some others were putting on, but also encourage them to bring their Timothy um, because we know that that's going to be important for the next generation to also provide training to them as well. Um, the next page there, if you if we go on, is just our contact information. We um, can do what we do because of the prayers of people like yourselves who support us. And we have so many things that have happened to us where we just hear later about people saying, oh, we prayed for you today. And we're like, wow, that was just perfect timing because it was a really hard day. Or sometimes we don't even know what the Lord has saved us from. Like Ryan said, there are roads that we travel that um, have huge potholes, not like American potholes, but like, just think of the road as like Swiss cheese, like moon craters. Um, <laughs> and so sometimes um, that can be a, a challenging or a dangerous thing. So who knows how many times the Lord has saved us from um, some accident that we could have been in. And so our being on the field, we contribute that um, to the prayers of people here who are faithfully praying for us. So if you would like to uh, receive our updates we send out monthly, you can contact us at curryitr at icloud.com, and we would love to be able to have you all um, reading our updates and just praying for the ministry that's going on in Mozambique. Um, I just wanted to close tonight uh, with a little bit of scripture. And don't worry, I know people here, missionary speaker is coming. We're going to be here for hours. It's nothing like that. I just wanted to leave you guys with a thought. Um, this passage comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 10. It's the story of Saul's conversion to Paul. It says, uh, in Damascus, sorry, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. 
Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. You know, we read this passage and we hear messages preached about this passage. And normally, the person that we focus on is Saul, who became Paul, one of the greatest Christians to ever live. It's not very often that we hear a message preached about the other guy in this passage, which is Ananias. There's been a lot of books that have been written about Paul, but not a lot of books have been written about Ananias. And what I want you all to see here this evening is that in verse 10 it says, In Damascus there is a disciple named Ananias. He's called a disciple. You know, even today in modern times, uh, we have books about great evangelists like Billy Graham or in the last century, Dwight L. Moody. We don't get a lot of books about the guys that went and shared their faith with those spiritual giants. But all of us here tonight, you know, you hear us as missionaries speak and you say, well, you know, I know that the Lord hasn't called me to be a missionary and go to Africa. Well, the Lord has called each and every Christian in this room to be a disciple, just like he did Ananias. And you may not realize it, but one day you might share your faith with the next Paul or the next Billy Graham or the next person that's going to do great things for the Lord. And so tonight, that's the challenge I want to leave you with. Go and make disciples, whether that's here in Paducah, the state of Kentucky, in our country, United States, or going overseas. I don't want to discount the missionary call. If there's someone here this evening that's sensing that call, I don't want to discredit that. But go and make disciples wherever you are. Thanks. Uh, before we go tonight, um, I want to share a few things with you. I have prayer cards, a handful of prayer cards for Ryan and Aubrey. If you are, um, if you're willing to commit to praying for them, would you grab one of these and you can have it? We just have a handful. Um, if you got their information, and you planned on signing up for their uh, or sending an email. If you will email him um, your name, he sends out about a monthly, approximately once a month. They send out an update, um, and they can give you an update on specifically where they are, what they're praying for, um, what you can join them in praying for. But I'm going to leave these here. Um, if you would like to grab one, let me invite you to do so. Uh, such an awesome privilege to have him. I mean, I just. When you have friends, um, one of the hard realities, and some of y'all have been in mission work or you've had missionaries, one of the hard realities of going to seminary is that um, you build relationships with people that are going to literally go around the world. And when they're commissioned off, and I remember Ryan's commissioning ceremony, you don't know that you'll ever see him again. And we give to Lottie Moon, we give to missions, we challenge people to go. But the reality is that some of our missionaries never come home again. They actually go for the kingdom. And it is beyond, I'm just, I was trying to hold it together tonight because this is a brother that I've prayed for for years and loved for years and emailed in the middle of the night because that's who was awake. And to see him give a testimony about what God is doing through him is beyond a blessing for me. And I want to thank you, Lone Oak, for giving me the opportunity to introduce you to my friend, and one of our missionaries, Ryan and Aubrey Curry. So thank you guys. Would you all show your appreciation for them? <clears throat> I'm going to invite uh, Ryan and Aubrey to come forward. We're, we're not going to dismiss just yet, but I want to invite them to come forward. Um, we're going to pray over them. Uh, that is very fitting to do. Their mission is not over. They're coming to give you a report. They came home. Um, here, you stand by your wife. That's less awkward. Um, <laughs> 
they came home. They came home to be on furlough until January, um, and then they're they're scheduled to go back to Mozambique. But they found out two weeks ago that they have been matched with a uh, with an expecting mother um, who is going to um, the, who's going through an agency, and they're going to prayerfully adopt a child who is scheduled to be born on February the 14th, which means that their plans to go back in January are going to be slightly delayed. Um, and so they'll have to wait for the baby to be born, and then they'll have to go through the process of, uh, of adoption and paperwork and all that is entitled, uh, all that's involved with that. And so over the next months, they are speaking and they're giving awareness about the mission in Mozambique and the Sub-Saharan Affinity Group. They're also going to be going through the process of preparing for a baby that is in Utah, all right? So Aubrey's from Kansas City. Ryan is from Ashland, Kentucky, which is the other side of Kentucky. Um, and they're driving back and forth and all over speaking um, as missionaries representing our International Mission Board. And then they will be preparing eventually to head towards Utah. So they are doing paperwork. There is some fundraising that's involved in that, which I am telling you we need to be praying for. Um, we know how expensive children are when they're your own biologically, when they are someone else's biologically and the Lord's giving you an opportunity to give them a home, it's even more expensive. And so if y'all would be praying for them that, that God would provide. And I've already heard testimonies from Ryan about how God is just putting things in order. But there's still work to be done. Um, and I'm just telling you, as a dear friend, I, I can't wait for the day when we get to see that baby come home. Um, and I'm so excited about that. But we're praying for them. They have a lot to do over the next months. And so I want to invite you, uh, Ryan and Aubrey, if you'd step out here. Um, I want to invite you to come and pray with them. Miss Brenda, I'm going to invite you and your Women on Missions prayer group to come first. So if you are on the Women on Missions prayer group, I want to invite you guys to come first. Because I know you guys do a lot of praying for missionaries that aren't here. And I think it would be a treat if you got to pray for one in front of you. Um, and so I want to invite you ladies, if you would get around Aubrey, if there are some men, some of our deacons, if you're present, I want to invite you uh, to come and to surround Ryan. Um, deacons, you guys have demonstrated um, already to me that you support your ministers. And so let me invite you to come forward, get around Ryan. And then uh, I don't want to stop there. If you are physically able and willing to come forward to lay hands on this couple, I want to invite you to get up from where you are. Don't feel required to, but if you're physically able or willing to come and to surround this couple, um, I want to invite you to. So if you guys will get close, um, men, if you want to lay your hands on Ryan, women, if you want to lay your hands on Aubrey, this would be a great time to do so. And so it's a, it's a, there's folks that are still coming. So if y'all want to move in, just continue to move in tighter and tighter. So we can get everyone in that wants to be a part. This is, this is what being a part of the family is. Um, and I can tell you on Ryan and Aubrey's behalf, uh, they don't always get this type of love. I mean, when they're out there serving. And so thank you guys for coming in. And so Miss Brenda, I'm going to invite you to, to open, praying out loud. Uh, and I'm going to hand you the mic. And then when you're done, if you would give it to Matthew. Or is Matthew? Oh, Father, what a joy it is to be here in the presence of your servants. We thank you for Ryan and for Aubrey and the, their willingness to serve 
Father, we thank you for the testimony that they have given tonight. Tonight, we pray for them, for their time while they're here in the States. We pray for this precious baby that they're waiting for. Yes. We pray for the work that's going on now while they're here, for those that are holding the, the ropes while they're here. Father, we just ask you to bless them, to continue to work and open doors for them, to continue to go before them. And Lord, we just ask that we, we love the opportunity of being able to pray for them. Thank you so much. We thank you now for the work that you're going to do while they're in the States and once they go back. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, it is a privilege to be here tonight to uh, hear of the uh, life of Ryan and Aubrey, their commitment to you, their love for you, their love for each other, their love for the sub-Saharan people. Um, what an impact that they can have on this area that is growing so quickly. We just lift up the needs that they have highlighted tonight that you would be with each need that is there. We especially lift them up as they approach this uh, birth of this new child. We thank you for coordinating everything and putting everything in order, even with them being able to come here tonight and to share their story with us. We just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the love that you have for each and everyone that's in this room the love you have for the, your people here in this world. Just help us to reach out to others. And if there's one here tonight that doesn't know you, that they might come and share with ministers or deacons or friends that are here tonight, that they might want to know about the love of Christ that can be received in their own personal lives. We just pray for that opportunity that they would be willing to share and come tonight. We again thank you for this service, for the ways that you've blessed our church. We thank you for Brother Scott and his family and the ministry that they are beginning here with us. Just continue to work in our area as we reach out in our community and around the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.